Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to your name, Lord Jesus. Father, you are the great God, Jehovah. And right now we enter in. We enter in, Father God, to your presence. We enter into your word. And we allow the Holy Ghost to lead us and to guide us into all truth. We allow the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, to teach us all that you want for today, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that we choose to have the right word in due season to those who are weary. We choose, Father God, to just simply humble ourselves, and we allow, Father God, our tongue to be that of a ready writer, Father God, just writing upon the hearts of men. And we thank you, Lord God, that we choose to get all of it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, glory to God. Um, today, uh, just as, as I've been in prayer of late, the uh, one of the things that the Lord kind of impressed on me was to teach about prophetic prayer. Now, one of the things that, that I'd been... I'd been uh, thinking and meditating upon these lines anyway, but then um, somebody, um, Rachel's sister, actually sent me a link to a, a, an old uh, prophetic word from Brother Hagen from you know a long time ago. Um, well, a long time ago for some people, it's only like over twenty years ago, so it seemed like it was just yesterday, of course. But um, but it's that, he he sat and he, he delivered a prophetic word and it was maybe i think it was like maybe 20 25 minutes long maybe longer i don't remember for sure but i watched it and and it was just so interesting to me to watch him flow in the prophetic that way in this prophetic prayer life as he was speaking out things by the spirit and as i'm watching it i just realized that this is something that, that we need to learn and actually as he was as he was speaking by the spirit that was something that the lord admonished the church was that, that the church needs to step up into these things, step up into prophetic prayer, step up and, and learn how to do this. And so this is really what kind of sparked me to teach on this this time, was watching that man of God, who of course is now with the Lord, and, and understanding that, that there is a, a prophetic prayer life that, that everybody is supposed to walk out. Um, not everybody's called in the office of a prophet. Uh, we know that there's fivefold ministries, and there are those who are called to walk in the office of a prophet. Um, I'm one of those, but uh, but everybody is called to walk in the prophetic. Everybody is, is called to walk in the apostolic. Everybody is supposed to walk in the in the evangelical. Everybody is supposed to walk in the nurturing care of a pastor. As far as we're supposed to be um, walking in all five fold ministries, uh, even though we maybe come under the office of, of that in other people's lives. So when we're talking about prophetic prayer, this is basically a prayer life that is being fueled by the anointing of the prophetic on our life. And and um, over in, um, well, let's see here where we want to go. Um, over in, in John chapter 16. Let's go to John chapter 16. Let's start there. And I really enjoy uh, this subject a lot because I love to pray. I love prayer and I love all the different facets of prayer. There's so many different facets of prayer. But as, as it says in Ephesians 5 that that all manners of prayer should be done in the Spirit. There's not one manner that shouldn't be in the Spirit, but this is just one manner of them. And he's talking, here Jesus is talking in John chapter 16 to his disciples. He's about to, to, to go be crucified. And he's talking to them about the Holy Ghost. 
And he says, um, in verse 12, he says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot hear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hear, whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So, here he says, he's going to lead them and guide them into truth. He's going to uh, not speak of himself, and he's going to show you things to come. So, he did not make that a lesser part of the Holy Spirit's ministry. He put that right in the same context as guiding us into truth, as you know, showing us these different things. And then he says, and he's going to show you things to come. But many times what we do is we kind of put that off as almost like a special ministry of the Holy Spirit that's only for certain times or for certain people. But yet we don't do that with him guiding us into all truth. Yet it's the same verse. He says he's going to guide you into all truth. He's, he's going to hear and speak, and he's going to show you things to come. And so there, there's no greater or lesser importance on any of these parts of the Holy Spirit's ministry. So what we have to do is we have to begin to access and walk in uh, our, our faith level when it comes to allowing the Holy Spirit to show us things to come. And this is not just, um, I mean, this, this, is, this is any given thing. I mean, this is obviously what we, it's also um, in, in the, with the word of wisdom. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, the word of wisdom has to do with knowing things to come. Um, but it's also, it goes to that prophetic nature of things. Okay, uh, and so when we're talking about prayer, we need to understand that in the Old Testament, prayer... Uh, was so, so, it was a very, very high call, obviously. It still is. And there are those who are, of course, in the body of Christ who are called as intercessors. Okay, In other words, that's their main focus of ministry is to intercede for the body of Christ. But yet, like I said just a moment ago, that doesn't mean that we're not all called to pray. We are. We're all called to pray. We're all called to walk in the prophetic. We're all called to have the Holy Spirit show us things to come and to pray those things out. Now, like I say, in the Old Testament, uh, uh, what the prayer was called was called the watchman, right? And if you've never heard that term before, that's that just simply, what it meant was this. Um, in fact, let's, let's, let's look at a couple verses where he makes that reference. And in Isaiah, you, you see it many times in Isaiah. You also see it in Jeremiah. Um, and in Ezekiel, you see the watchman mentioned. Um, but in Isaiah, he talks a good bit about it. In Isaiah 52, let's just go over there. I'm just going to read a couple verses here just to show you the, the, the mentioning of it in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 52, if I can get over there, my pages of my Bible are not going to separate very well. There we go. Um, and he says, um, verse 7, he says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, he, that, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that puts publishes salvation, that says unto Zion, thy God reigns. Then, then verse 8, thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together they shall sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. So here he mentions the watchmen. And then, of course, over in uh, Isaiah 56 and in verse 2, Excuse me, verse 10, not verse 2, verse 10. Isaiah 56 and verse 10. It says, His watchmen are blind, they are ignorant, they are all dumb dogs, they cannot bark, sleeping, uh, lying down, uh, loving to slumber. Now, in other words, he's, just, he's basically just talking about the, the reprobate status of Israel. 
And he's going, they are a bunch of dumb blind dogs. They're laying around doing their own thing. And the reason why he's he's, he's uh, rebuking the watchman spiritually over Israel. Now, what a watchman was, culturally, was this is somebody who would... Um, they would have a, a position, uh, like basically in the military. Um, they would, uh, you know, cities would have walls around them, and you would have different posts at the different corners of the gates, uh, excuse me, of the walls. And depending on how big the walls were, you would have ones in between too. So you'd have what they would call the watch position. So you, the watchmen would go out, and they would have a certain uh, you know, shift that they would take per, per day and different times during the day. And they would go up, and they would watch. And their goal, their, their whole job description, was to stand on the top of that, of that tower, of that gate, or that uh, um, fence area, and to watch uh, as far off in the distance as they could. Because, obviously, if they were to see an enemy coming... They were supposed to see as far off as they could to see an enemy coming, and then they would yell to the captain of the guard, whoever was on duty that time, and they would prepare, uh, you know, for the battle. They would, they would, they would sure up the ranks. They would do whatever they needed to do to prepare for the enemy. Uh, or what the watchmen would do also is they would watch, and if they were if they were the ones standing <laughs> by the gate, especially, they would watch for uh, like a caravan of supplies, or they would watch for. Of visiting uh, uh, dignitaries, you know, kings that they had treaties with, or different ones like this, who were possibly visiting, and so they would watch for people who were coming that that would come and bring supplies and a blessing and fellowship and whatever. And so, if that was the case, if they saw somebody who was friendly, they would yell down to the porter to open the gate, and they would open the gate to have them come in. And so, basically, here's what the deal was: is if is if good things were being kept out and bad things were being let in, then it was the watchman's fault because the watchman wasn't doing his job. And we, we, this is what God is talking about here in Isaiah. He's going, man, there are a bunch of sleeping dumb dogs that are just after their own selfishness. And they're not standing on their gate. They're not standing on their watchtower. They're not standing and doing their job. And this is what we have to understand. is, is He's talking about prayers, the people in prayer who stand and they, they, they have that watch. And we all have a watch. Now, some people, like I said, are called into the office of like an intercessor. And the only difference really in all of that is how, how you know, basically how um, attuned you are in the skill set of watching in, in, in the prayer realm and how much influence you have in that place. All of us have a watch over our families, you know, over our direct you know, uh, relatives, over our church, over our community. We have a responsibility to watch in the spirit realm and to keep the enemy, you know, uh, uh, out and to allow the blessing to come in. And if those things aren't happening in our families, if they're not happening in our community, then we need to allow God to show us how to be better watchmen. That's what we need to do. Now, the, the, the main job of watchmen is to look in the distance to recognize what's coming, and then to declare the appropriate action, okay? So that's what we do as prayers. As prayers, we look into the distance, we recognize what's happening in the spirit realm, and then we declare the appropriate action. So, <coughs> excuse me, so we can manifest heaven and the earth. 
Every time we pray, the Holy Spirit is giving us an invitation to allow the, the, the kingdom of heaven to flow into the earth, to allow heaven to come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that requires a watchman to, like I said, look, to recognize, and to declare. One of the things about now, notice what um, a couple other verses over in Matthew, chapter 26. New Testament here, right? Um, this is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, and we know this, this verse, but I, I, th I think sometimes people, either they, they get they, they get a new translation that, that kind of, uh, you know, changes the words a little bit, or they just kind of skip over this and don't pay attention to it. But he says in verse uh, 38, Mark Matthew 26, verse 38, um, uh, Jesus, um, you know, is going in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says to his disciples, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here and watch with me. Now we know a couple of verses later, um, he comes. He came to them, finds them asleep, and says to Peter, "What could you not watch with me one hour?" Now what is Jesus doing? He's praying. That's what he's doing. And he says, "Come and watch with me." And then he says, "Can't you watch with me for one hour?" Now they weren't supposed to be standing guard. They were supposed to be praying. And Jesus actually calls that watching. He's going, couldn't you watch with me one hour? You know, and now, <clears throat> um, uh, you know, even, you know, he, he tells Peter later on, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. There's there's a watching that, that we have to begin to enter into. And that watching has to do with the prophetic side of prayer. And that simply means that we're not consumed with um, what's happening right in front of us. We're looking out ahead. You know, the... Um, so the, the devil wants to distract us so much with just daily cares and just daily needs and daily drama and daily, you know, uh, just stuff going on all the time around us. He wants us to, to get so distracted with those things that we're not actually acting as the watchman. So we're always putting out fires. You know, it's, it's like, um, you know, when I remember when I was learning how to drive. And, um, <clears throat> of course, here I am. I'm really nervous. And my, my brother-in-law is in the car. He's, he's the one kind of teaching me at that time. Later on, my sister actually ended up teaching me how to drive. My brother-in-law, uh, he, he, you know, he drove okay, but he wasn't a really good teacher because he just figured if he could do it, anybody could do it, so just go do it. And um, so anyway, here I am. I'm trying to drive for the first time, right? And so I'm going. Now, the thing is, I am so nervous that I, I, I don't want to, you know, run off the road to the right, you know, and I don't want to enter across the center line, you know, to the left. And so I am like paying attention to those two lines and the, in the front of the car, I don't want to hit anything. And so I'm looking right at the front of the car, all around the nose of the car. That's where I'm looking as I'm driving. And I'm making adjustments for the center line and for the ditch on the other side, on, on the right-hand side. You know, I'm making adjustments all the time. So what's happening is, I'm sure you can imagine what the steering wheel was doing. It was going back and forth. And what do you think with the car? The car was, you know, kind of shimmering back and forth because I'm making adjustments with every foot that I drive, basically, you know. And I'm going really slow because I'm, like, so nervous. Well, as we're driving... You know, my brother-in-law, he says, you know, he goes, don't do it that way. He goes, what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to look down the road. You look down the road. And as you're driving down the road, you're looking down the road. And then you make an adjustment here for what's happening up there. And so you understand now, at the time, I thought he was crazy. I just honestly, I thought he was nuts. I was like, well, what about right here? What about right now? What about the thing right in front of me? Well, I'll, of course, later on, you find out that that's, you know, you're, you're supposed to look down the road, right? And you're supposed to make adjustments right now for what's coming down the road. And that's how prayer should be. Prayer 
Most of people's prayer life is, is just about today. It's about the drama they're in. It's about the, the situation they're in. It's, it's very defensive in nature. You're, you're on the defense all the time. And you're just trying to put out fires. You're running around putting out fires. You know, but see, here's the thing. If, if you can get into a prophetic prayer life, that prophetic prayer life will look down the road. And so that way, no matter what strategy the enemy has, you know, the, the enemy could could plan something from, from you know, uh, he could be planning something five years from now for you. That some ditch that you're going to supposedly get into or some stupid thing that's going to happen. And yet you, just in the prayer, in your prayer time, you can look down the road. And he, God, what's so cool is the Holy Spirit doesn't even have to tell you what exactly it is. He can just, he can just tell you how to pray and you can just subvert that. You can totally undo all the strategies of the enemy right now so that you're not putting out fires all your life. And this is, <clears throat> this is how we're supposed to live. We are not supposed to live on the defense. We're supposed to be proactive, busy, just simply uh, expanding the kingdom wherever we go. Not wrestling against flesh and blood. Not, you know, doing all this. It doesn't mean that we don't take authority over principalities and powers. But here's the thing. When you're dealing, when you're, when you're praying prophetically, what you're doing is you're, you're not looking at the surface problem. You're not sitting there just, just praying about what circumstance somebody's in. You're looking... Uh, you're looking uh, past the surface, so you're looking at, number one, the root of whatever it is that's causing the problem, and you're looking at generational things that might be influencing things, and you're also looking into the future, and you're, number one, binding up strategies of the enemy in the future, and number two, you're loosing, in other words, you're opening the gate for the grace and the goodness of God that, that is actually outside of or beyond the current circumstance so that grace can come in and actually take care of that circumstance easily. We're trying to, I mean, you have to think about it this way. What if, what if um, you know, you know I, I like the history shows, Love I love to, to look at old, I mean, I'm talking about ancient time stuff where people are like, you know, they've built like Stonehenge and the pyramids and these different things and people today still don't know how they did it. I mean, you're like, are you kidding me? You know, uh, just all over the world you have all these ancient um, architectural wonders to me that are just amazing. Uh, but, but could you imagine what those people could have done if they had today's tools? If they had today's tools, what more could they have accomplished? Because they, they accomplished those things not with our tools, they accomplished them with their brain. Okay, they had the intelligence to figure things out far past what we can figure out today. Now, could you imagine if they had the ability to, I mean, let's, let's, just, let's just not even go back that far. Let's look at the Wright brothers. You know, think about the Wright brothers. If, when they were building the first airplane, imagine what they could have done had they jumped forward to now and taken a look at the technology and taken that information and knowledge back then. How much would it have progressed everything? Well, see, this is what God does. God is outside of time. And so what he does prophetically in prayer is he allows us to actually skip forward past the current situation, past the problem, past the thing that you're trying to figure out. And he allows you to skip forward so you can actually see in the spirit realm the technology spiritually, if you want to put it that way, the spiritual grace, the spiritual technology, whatever you want to put it, and actually access that so you can bring that back into the now and you can actually take care of it very easily. That's amazing. Praise God. But that happens in prophetic prayer. Now the thing is though, somebody who's on who's who's on the watch, I mean that's <clears throat> another good verse on this. 
over in um, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you want to say that, um, in uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, and uh, here he says in verse 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what the Lord will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that reads it. Now, so here he is. I love this heart of Habakkuk because he's sitting there going, I'm going to go stand upon my watch. He's, he's going to go get into prayer. And he goes, and I'm going to look and see what the Lord would say to me. And I'm going to see how I'm going to answer when I'm reproved. He already knows there's going to be correction. Right? He already knows it. And this is important for us to know. That when we go in, we begin to actually search the heart and the mind of the Father concerning something, we're going to have to change. We have to change how we see ourselves, how we see God, how we see the problem, how we see the enemy, so that we can actually appropriate things in the right way. And actually walk things out by grace instead of by works. Now, but that watchman is, like I said, he's not like everybody else in the city. In the city, everybody is down on ground level, and they're just dealing with their daily stuff. You know, they're just buying and selling. They're 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 making you know baskets. They're they're doing this. They're they're whatever they're doing. You know, they're they're working their trade. They're raising their children. They're doing all their daily things. And so they're throughout their day. They're you know however many hours it is. They're here. They are. They're just dealing with daily problems. The watchman, his eyes aren't on those things. He's up on the tower. He has an elevated position, and he's looking into the distance. He is looking into the distance, and he is getting good at recognizing things from a distance. Now, a great account of this, um, and I won't turn over there, but over in 2 Samuel chapter 18, there's a great account of this, of this very thing happening in the natural realm, where King David, right, he had a watchman, right, and so... Uh, and some different runners were coming. And if you remember this, the, the first runner came, and he didn't have any news with him. He, he just wanted to run. He just had, the, he had the, the itch to run, and he begged the guy to let him run. He didn't have a message, but he wanted to run. So he ran. He outran the, the, the first guy that was sent with the message. And he comes, and, and you know they ask him what his message is, and he says, I don't have anything. They say, well, go stand over there. You're of no use. And so then the watchman, though, he's still looking in the distance. He goes, he makes a statement. He goes, I see another runner running, and he runs like so-and-so, the son of Zadok. He goes, he runs like this guy, and so I think it's him. Now, that's such an interesting passage to me, because I'm looking at this, and um, and then they end up opening the gate for him, and he comes in, he has the message. Now, uh, what's great about that is here, this watchman. What a great watchman this guy is. He's looking in the distance, and he has trained himself to be such a good watchman that he can recognize how somebody runs. See, now he couldn't see the guy's face. He couldn't see who he. He couldn't recognize him by his facial features or by you know how tall he was. The guy was so far away that he couldn't recognize that. But he could recognize how he ran. So either the watchman was such a good watchman or that guy had a really funky run. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Maybe he ran like a giraffe or something. I don't know. But the issue was that he, he could actually recognize who he was without seeing his face. And I love that whole account because that tells me that watchmen were so important. We have to become better watchmen. We have to become the watchman that can recognize from a distance so that nothing takes us by surprise. So the enemy never has a, um, you know, an easy day of it, if you want to put it that way. So we recognize what's going on so far in advance because, like we already read in John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit is showing us things to come. But we have to begin to train ourselves 
how to recognize those things. You know, one time I was talking with a lady. Um, she was uh, she came up for prayer, and this was uh, this was in my home church in Eugene. And she came up for prayer after service, and I was there, and I wasn't the only one. We had a prayer team up there, but I was one of them. And um, she came up and wanted me to pray for her. Now um, uh, she was a sweet lady. You know, I know I'd known her for years, and uh, she came up and she she started telling me about. Um, all these testimonies that she had of what God had done in her life of late, you know, and she's like, well, uh, I, I got the victory over this, and then God did this, and, and she's just one victory after the other. I mean, she had probably had five or six of them, something like that, and as she's talking, uh, the spirit of discernment came up on the inside of me, and I, I just, I, I knew what I was supposed to ask her, because I could tell what was going on here. Now, she's just sharing good news. She's sharing a testimony, and after she got done, I, I just asked her, I said, this is by the Holy Ghost, I said, um, how how you during all that testimonies and during all the victories that you've been walking in here, how's that make you feel? Are, are you are does have, have you been tired? That's just what I are you have been have you been tired? And um, she said that she goes, oh man. I mean, her countenance totally changed, and she says, oh man, I've been so wore out. I'm telling you what, she goes, I'm thankful for all of it, but I'm so wore out. I just don't even know what to do. I'm so tired all the time. And now, the thing is, because the Holy Ghost was, was showing me something, it was a spirit of discernment. And I said, okay, and I'm start talking to her, I go, here's what's happening. The, 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 the devil has got you on this little, this little uh, strategy now, where he's got a carrot out in front of you, and you're getting these little victories, one here, one there, one there, one there, but you're not walking victoriously. You're walking wore out and tired and distracted from the call on your life. You're so busy putting out these fires, and you're thankful that all these fires are getting put out, but it's actually keeping you back from what you're called to do and she was like so wide-eyed she's like oh that is exactly what's happening and she goes i didn't even know i thought i was just getting victories well the thing is that though see what, what we have to do is that 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 happens to us when we are focused only on what's happening day to day when we're battling the daily things that's like like i said that's like when i was driving and the car was shimmering back and forth and the thing is if something would have come from you know uh, down the road at 60 miles an hour I wouldn't have even seen them until they were right on top of me because I was only focused on what was right on top of me, what was right at the front of my car. God doesn't want us that way. He wants us to look in the future. He wants us to look out into the distance. So we have to train ourselves in this, okay? And so how do we get better at this? Um, of course, over in, in Hebrews chapter 5, because I think of that, that guy there in 2 Samuel talking to King David, and that guy was such a good watchman because he looked into the distance he recognized. See, that's the that's the key here. I'm talking about right now is learning how to recognize. How do I? First of all, how do I look into the distance? Well, first thing I have to do is I have to discipline um, my senses, my spiritual senses. Over here in Hebrews chapter five, and it says, um, okay, verse. Um, okay, uh, in um, in verse thirteen. It says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay, so here he's, he's talking about discerning good and evil. He's talking about knowing what's good and evil and, and knowing what to do with it in your life. He says, how that happens is you have to... You have to get um, uh, your spiritual senses exercised. It says by reason of use. 
So I have to use my spiritual senses. The, the main spiritual sense that is, that is used in prophetic prayer is what I call the, the, the sense of perception. Okay, perception is one of the main senses we're going to use when we begin to activate <clears throat> prophetic prayer. Now, it's like a, what I call a gateway sense. You know, it's, it's like, um, because, you know, in your, in your five natural senses, uh, you have some senses that are that, that are activated a farther distance, you know, distance away, like seeing and hearing. Those things are activated at a, at a distance, right? Well, smelling, touching, and tasting, those get a lot closer in proximity, right? In order to, to actually be activated. But... Um, but what I like, like smelling is a good one because smelling is like a gateway sense. In other words, what I mean by that is, if man, I tell you what, if I walk in there in in my house and I smell Rachel's um, pecan pie, well, guess what? That that really inspires me to do. It inspires me to taste something, right? So my sense of smell, which operated at a distance, I didn't see the pecan pie. I didn't hear the pecan pie. I, I was actually in another room, and I walk in the house, and the pecan pie, which is somewhere, you know, in the kitchen or wherever it's cooling or whatever, I smell the pecan pie, and that immediately activates the desire for taste. Okay, so it's a gateway sense, isn't it? And so this is what perception is. When we begin to walk in perception, then that will actually be a gateway sense to actually uh, in, uh, uh, motivate us to get closer and more intimate in the things of God and to, to, to uh, enable us and equip us to be able to know what to do in given situations. But what we have to do is we have to sharpen our perception. We have to heighten our, our, our spiritual perception. Perception, like we know, is basically just awareness. How aware are we of what's going on in the spirit realm? And the, the, the difference with natural perception to spiritual perception is that with spiritual perception, it doesn't come through education. It doesn't come through experience. It is a, a spiritually given uh, a level of discernment where you are aware that something's going to happen or is happening, you know good from evil, you know whether it's good or evil, and you have a you have an inherent or it comes with it a, a built-in level of understanding. Okay, now the thing is though, sometimes that understanding is unlocked as we begin to walk things out. Now, um, okay, good good example of that is. Um, well, we got several of them in the Word. Uh, Acts chapter ten. Uh, remember when Peter, uh, when he had that vision, you know, from heaven, let down three different times the the big you know sheet with all the stuff on it, and he says, "Rise, Peter, kill and eat." He goes, "Not so, Lord." Now here he is. He's having a a spiritual vision, but he doesn't know what it means right away. He knows it's of the Lord, but he doesn't know what it means. You know, once again, his perception is kicking in, but what does he have to do? He has to begin to walk it out. Okay, now I'm not going to take the time to go through all those steps, and that, that, that that's obviously something I've taught on many times. But there, but his perception was that God is doing something. Now he actually resists it at first. He knows it's God, but he doesn't know what to do with it. And so what he does is it says that the Holy Spirit told him that there's 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 men at your door. Go go with them. And so he just began to walk it out literally. 
You know, he's just he's just doing what he knows he can do. And then by the time he gets to Cornelius's house, he still doesn't know the fullness of it. He is just allowing perception to lead him. And then things are being un, un, unraveled. And then, of course, when, when Cornelius finally says, I've sent for you, now tell us all that God's commanded you. And Peter opens his mouth, and by the Spirit, he says, now I perceive that there is no respecter of persons with God. And anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, that, he said, I perceive it. So now there's a perception that has now overridden everything he's ever been taught or heard or experienced through his whole life. But that perception carries an understanding and an unquestioned understanding that he knows what truth is concerning the situation. That's the power of perception. He went from having a lifelong doctrine, lifelong teaching, something that you know the, the couple days earlier he would have swore was true that Gentiles can't be saved, but now just a few days later, he is in such a strong conviction of it that he goes, I will lay my life down for this. And here's what I perceive, that God is no respecter of persons. And he has actually, you know, saved the Gentile as well. And it changed the world, praise God. And it allowed the, the Gentiles to come in because that's what God was doing. But Peter had to walk in a spirit of perception, of discernment. He had to discern good from evil, and he had to walk it out. Now, the understanding had to be developed, but it comes with the perception. So uh, another good, uh, great illustration of that, of course, is in Revelation chapter 1. John, it says that he was, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then he says, And I heard, as it was, a sound of a great trumpet behind me. And as I turned, and behold. Now, what happened? He's in the spirit, right? So he set his mind on things above. He's, he's looking, basically, into the spirit realm. And we do that... Um, Best ways to do that, honestly, is you're going to have to just get into some worship. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, just some of the junk that's out there these days. I'm talking about actual just get into the worship of God. Begin to magnify God. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. Begin to get to that place and just take the time. Now, it, it's like this. Um, uh, you know, the people do these experiments where they'll blindfold themselves or put something over their eyes or something. And they do that in order to put a demand on their other senses, right? They'll put a demand on their sense of hearing or on their sense of touch or, or smell or something like this and so that they can, so that they can uh, uh, recognize what's happening around them. Now, the, the funny thing is, is that uh, you know, even, let, let's say that, that you blindfold yourself and now suddenly you can hear things better. Those things are at the same volume they always were. But because there's a demand put on your sense of hearing, because you're depriving your eyes of that ability, there's a demand put on your sense of hearing, and now there's a focus on the sounds around you. The sounds didn't change, but your focus changed. And because your focus changed, your perception level changed, okay? And so this is what's happening, is, is what we have to do, when if we're going to get into prophetic prayer is the first thing we have to do is set our minds on things above. We have to be in the in the spirit. Like like John said, I, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, right? And so here he is. He's in the spirit. And then it says, and I heard behind me the, the, the voice of a trumpet blast. And so then he turns, right? Now, why does God why, why wouldn't God just just have Jesus appear to him right there in front of him? Why wouldn't he have him do all this stuff? Why did it, why was it necessary for uh, John to hear it behind him and then have to turn around? 
Well, it's because there's an act of humility involved. Uh, this is one thing you're going to find is that God gives grace to the humble and he wants us to have the grace to understand things and the grace to walk in higher truth and the grace to see things from the spirit realm. And he wants that to be done by grace, not from works. And so in order to do it by grace, he gives us opportunity to humble ourselves past our current understanding. And so what we have to do is we we have to you know, like I said, get ourselves in that place where we're in the spirit realm. You have to deprive your natural thoughts of certain things. In other words, don't just pray what you know. One thing I tell people to do is is it, one of the greatest exercises you can do in prayer is pray about somebody that you don't know at all and pray until you get a word from God for them. Okay, pray over a nation. That's a good one that you don't even know. You know, pray over Kurdistan or, or Uzbekistan or some other country you've never even heard of before. Pick one and just begin to seek God. Begin to look into the distance for that. Begin to be the watchman over them so that you can begin to get words. See, now the reason why I say to do it over, over countries or people you don't know is because you're not emotionally connected to them. And so you're depriving your emotion from having a voice of influence in that prayer. And, and as you begin to deprive your emotion, and if you don't know anything about them, you're depriving your intellect. So as you begin to deprive those natural influences and voice of influence, you begin to have to force yourself to focus on the spirit realm, on what the Holy Spirit is saying about them. You know, and so I just those are just some really quick little exercises to begin to heighten your the the, the prophetic, heightening the, the sense of perception, um, the the. Uh, the thing is about prophetic prayer is you you want to the, the goal is like I said you see something in the distance you discern whether it's good or evil you recognize is it from the Lord or is it a strategy of the enemy is it something tied to somebody's generational past and then you ask the Lord now this is a big one and this is something that that um, I do this all the time and it was kind of cool when I watched that thing from Brother Hagen because he was doing this too. And this is something I've just I learned just in prophetic prayer. I learned it as I prayed. I ask a lot of questions as I pray prophetically. What I do, in other words, I, I'm just looking. I'm looking at things. And, and I, just like it was with John, John didn't know what that noise was behind him. So he, looked, he turned around and he looked. Daniel is a good example of that. Go back through the book of Daniel and see how many visions and weird things God showed him. But he sought the Lord about them. He didn't just stop right there. He actually sought the Lord and began to ask, what do you mean by this? You know, what is this that I'm looking at? John, you know, there's so many times in John when he's going through the book of Revelation and he's actually encountering things in heaven and he's asking, what does this mean? What is this? What is this? It's important. If you see something, just ask the Lord, what is that, Lord? Just, just as simple as that. What is that? What do you mean by that? And then wait. I know that's a bad word in the English language sometimes, but you just wait. Wait for a few minutes. Wait for however long it takes, and you'll get clarification. Why? Because you're asking based on humility. You're not trying to figure it out. That's, that's what I'm trying to get. Don't try to figure it out. Whatever you see, if it's a shape, if it's an actual person, if it's a thing, whatever it is that you see or you hear, don't try to figure it out. Okay, what you want is you want the Holy Spirit to guide you into that truth, right? And he'll show you things to come. But he has to guide you into that truth. And so 
How does he do that? By humility, by grace. I want the grace to understand this. I want the grace. I don't want to just walk out of prayer not knowing what was going on. I want to have the grace to know what's going on. And I want the grace to be able to speak what needs to be spoken. If I try to figure it out, see, here's the, here's the trap. If I try to, and I've done this before. I've seen things in prayer. I thought I figured out what it meant. And I began to speak based on what I thought I figured out. That is the wrong way to do it because I'm not discerning good from evil. I'm not actually operating as a good watchman because I'm not recognizing what it really is. And then I'm speaking the wrong things because I'm speaking usually from a place of need or a place of, of, of fear or a place where I just think something needs to change. And that is not never what we're supposed to do. Okay, We're supposed to... Once again, ask questions. Begin to just look for those answers as you ask questions. God is actually allowing you to have eternal thoughts. He's allowing you to see things in an eternal capacity. And so one of the things we need to understand, just like we read in Habakkuk, is we need to get corrected on how we see ourselves and God in the situation. What is our role in the situation? Am I a steward of the grace of God concerning this? There's been times when he's shown me, he's shown me things in the spirit realm, and then he said, no, you can't, even, you can't talk about that yet. Don't, don't even pray about it. Don't, even, don't talk about that. Don't tell anybody about that yet. Just hold on to that. Pray it out. And so what do I do? I go through and I begin to pray that out. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, over in 1 Corinthians 14, you know, it talks about speaking in other tongues, right? And it says that, uh, how, uh, let, me just, let me just go over there and... 1 Corinthians 14. We, we know these verses, but i just like you to see it in this context. Um, praise God, we're getting somewhere on this. And it says, um, verse 2, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks out mysteries. Man, that verse, I have, I have walked that out so many times. When either... There was a situation that needed prayer, and I just, I, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, in fact, let's turn over there real quick, where you have to just, you have to pray it out from the realm of the mystery. I don't want my knowledge to define my prayer life. I don't want the, the circumstance to define my prayer life. I want the Holy Spirit to do that. And so, in order to do that, I need to walk in, in some humility to pray things out past what my mind is telling me. And um, here he says, um, um, In verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses or infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groans which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So here he is. He says, you know, we don't know how to pray for as we ought. We never do. We never know how to pray for as we ought. But the Holy Spirit will actually join us in our prayer time, and this is where we begin to learn how to pray. We begin to learn how to speak. We begin to learn how to speak by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, of course, says that the things the Holy Spirit shows us, these things we speak, not with words which man's wisdom teaches, but with, with words the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So there's, there's, there's things, there's words that, that, want, that the Holy Spirit wants to assign to things. And we carry the authority in the earth, and we get to allow our words to be the, the stewards of the, of the kingdom of God in the earth. But what, what the Holy Spirit wants is He wants to show us things to come. And as He shows us things, like I said, it doesn't, 
Sometimes you'll know exactly what it is right away, but sometimes it'll just be a shape, it'll be a color, it'll be a person, it'll be you know just a word that comes up in your heart and mind. But begin to speak those things out and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? That's the that's the don't don't just start machine gunning. In other words, don't just say, okay, let me just pray that a thousand times because I see it. Don't do that. Just with humility, just say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? And then begin to speak in tongues. Begin to pray out the mysteries concerning that. And as you do that, your understanding will get enlightened concerning that. Now, he may not have you pray anything out about that in English you know, during the first prayer session. It might be the next day, a week later, or two weeks later, a year later, whatever. But you're speaking out the mysteries concerning those things. Because I want things to be done in the perfect time. You know, how many years did it take for Jesus to get birthed into the earth before, I mean, after, G, after God started speaking about him? God st- started speaking about him thousands of years before he was born. Right? But you see, there was a gestation period and you wanted to be done right. And so there's things in your heart, there's things in the Word of God that needs to come forth for you, but it needs to be done right. And we do that prophetically. And, and, and at the same time, what I'm doing is I'm changing myself, my own perception of myself, my own understanding of myself, so that I can actually appropriate the promise based on maturity and not based on immaturity. So I can actually be ready for it when it comes. And I do that through prophetic prayer. Because just like it said in, in Habakkuk, I want to stand upon my watch and I want to see how I will respond when he corrects me. He wants, to, he wants to correct how I see myself. He wants to correct how we, how we, we take on our role in uh, the heavenlies. He wants us to reign with him forever. And so we need to start doing that now in prophetic prayer. But just get your mind on things above. Deprive yourself. Your, your, I'm talking about your, your intellect and your emotions from having a voice in prayer. Don't speak from a place of fear or need or crisis. Just deprive yourself of that and begin to to pray over things you don't know anything about, that you're not emotionally attached to, and just begin to look for what God's saying. And when you're doing this in your own prayer closet, you're not hurting anybody if you get it wrong. Just, you're going to have to, it says once again in Hebrews chapter 5, that we actually uh, are exercising our senses by reason of use. So I'm allowing perception to, to grow. There's been so many times I thought I heard from the Lord and I did not. But I grew. And I kept doing it. I kept walking it out. Now, understand that we need to begin to speak from our hearts when we see something. But once again, you you begin to ask, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? Can he trust you with not opening your mouth? Can he trust you? What if he shows you something that is just going to blow your socks off? But he says, don't talk about that. Can he trust you with that? Can you trust you to be a steward of the mysteries of God? Like the word says in 1 Corinthians, that we are a steward of the mysteries of God. It says, and as stewards, we must be found faithful. So are you faithful with the little things? Are you faithful with the little things that he's shown you to actually process them out in the kingdom, to actually begin to speak the mysteries, to begin to look into the spirit realm? And don't not, not get, like I said, one of the best things you can do, and I've had to do this time and again, where... The, the, the voices of the influences of daily problems trying to take over my prayer life, you know? And I'm going, nope, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not going to pray about that for a week just because I want the Holy Ghost to be in charge of my prayer life. And, and you know, so I'm not going to pray from need. I'm not going to pray from fear. It's not wrong to pray over daily needs and all that stuff. But understand, that shouldn't run my prayer life. 
I need to be one who is standing upon the watch. I need to be the one looking in the distance. I want to head things off so far in advance that nobody ever even knows that it was a problem. That's what I want. I want to be the one who actually begins to usher in the glory of God and the grace of God through prayer so that so that every time I pray, the, the, the Holy Spirit is guiding me and the church into truth so I can actually begin to, to, to be a doorway for these things. Praise God. But it takes prophetic prayer. Now, the last part of that is simply this. Um, you know, sometimes when people begin to step out in the prophetic, they can get kind of weird. You know, I'm just being real honest here. They can just get kind of goofy. And, uh, and that's because in the prophetic realm, you're not dealing intellectually with things. Logic isn't really a part of it. And so the trap that people can get into is they can become feelings-based. Now, like I said, perception is a feeling. Perception is not a logic-based a sense perception is a feeling it's like i feel this i feel that and i don't mind people using that 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 language saying well i just felt like the lord told me this or i felt like i was supposed to do that that's not wrong language to use at all um i remember one day uh i was uh out, out by my house and it was a few several years ago now quite a few years ago and um i remember one day i just uh i was just i was stacking wood that's all i was doing and it just something felt like I just I kept feeling like something's about to happen today. Something is going to happen. It feels okay. It feels like it's going to be good, uh, but I don't know what that is. And so I just began praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, like I said, I didn't have uh, thus saith the Lord. I didn't have a voice. I didn't have any kind of inclination as to what it was. I just had a perception. Okay, and, and like I said, perception is your friend when it comes to prophetic things. Perception is the gateway sense. So then, as you follow that perception, as you begin to speak things out uh, in tongues, as you begin to give yourself over to those things, then you'll begin to see and hear and know more. Okay, and perception will lead to greater understanding as you, as you walk it out. But so here I am, I'm just praying in tongues, stacking wood, praying in tongues. And, and, and not too long later, um, this family comes up. Now, see, I had I just got a fresh uh, uh, a load of wood in my drive area, and that's what I was moving to the back. And it was green wood. It was it still needed to be seasoned. And so they, they drive up in this little hatchback car, and, and um, they had a bunch of stuff in their car. And they're like, you know, we just moved in the area, and uh, we don't have any heat right now. Um, we're, we're gonna get the, we'll get the a heater turned on here pretty soon. We just moved in. Um, but we, we, there is a, a wood stove. And do you have any wood? You know um, that that you could that maybe you know you could lend us or you know we could buy it from you or whatever. And um, and uh, I knew that's what it was. That that was what was supposed to happen that day. You know. And so I just said, okay. Well, I tell you what. I said. Um, I said, it doesn't look like you have much room in your car. And they're like, no, we don't right now. I said, I tell you what. I go, you don't want this wood that I have right here. You want some of the wood I have in the back. Some of the wood I have in the back is dry. This stuff is green. I got some stuff that will burn better. So I tell you what. I said, you go unload your car. You come back. I'll fill your whole car up. Okay. And uh, and so, um, man, they were back in, like, I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour. Allowed me to go and, and wheelbarrow some loads of dry wood up to the front. And I just loaded their whole car up. Got to pray with them. Got to, you know, just, I mean, the lady was crying. I mean, just had a great time with them because I got to bless them and show them the goodness of God, the love of God, and the kindness of God. And as soon as they drove off, that perception was like, yep, that's what it was. Okay. But you see, I didn't have a thus saith the Lord. I had a perception. But what did I have to do? Just pray into it. I want it to be done right. I want to actually join my humility and my authority in the situation so God's grace can have the highest impact, right? And so, now, the, what, I, what I'm getting at is this, is that so sometimes, though, people who are prophetically based, 
and and they lean that way naturally. Um, see, these are things I had to purpose how to learn. Some people just lean this way all the time. But the, the, the deal is that sometimes though, people can become too emotionally based because they're prophetically minded. Because they're, they, they're in other words, they, they run by their feelings so much, but they don't allow anything to govern their feelings. Now, what's supposed to govern the perception or govern your feelings is the Word of God. Okay, now... Over in Hebrews chapter 4, right, we know it says the word of God is quick and power, sharpening into his sword. It says, and, it says, and it's a discerner uh, of, the, of the soul and the spirit and, and of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So, you know, here, it's actually a discerner. The word of God will discern between your soul and your spirit. So, in other words, there's sometimes that, that you'll think you'll hear from God, but it's just your soul. But your soul and your spirit sound a lot alike. Right? And so what we have to do is we have to train ourselves how to know whether it's our spirit or how to know whether it's our soul. Because there's lots of times when I felt like it was God and it wasn't God. My soul was just feeling something. But I don't want to be soulishly led. I want to be spiritually led. So, <coughs> so what do I do? I put the Word of God as a governor in my life. <laughs> Excuse me. That Word is designed to be a discerner. It's the only one that can discern between the soul and the spirit. It's the only thing that can. Because both my spirit and both my soul, they're both eternal. They're going to go to heaven with me. Okay, and they, they, they sound a lot alike and they look a lot alike. And they're, they're, they're so tied together that the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, that carries the same nature and actually created my spirit and my soul, can divide those two things. But if I'm not in the Word, if I'm not in the Word of God and renewing my mind in the Word of God, then I'm going to... I'll, I'll end up getting emotionally led rather than spiritually led. So that's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, he said, even if you see an angel from heaven come and, they, and, and visits you and, and tells you something contrary to the word, let him be accursed. So and, and Paul's just saying, you know what? Even if you have a, 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 a spectacular encounter with an angel, but if, what their words don't, if their words don't line up with the word of God, they're not, they're not of God. Okay, and so this is why we have to be allow, allowing the word to be that discerner. We have to allow the word. It says, in, of course, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, The word of God is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for proof, instruction, and righteousness. The word's profitable for those things. The prophetic is not profitable for doctrine. But you see, that's what people do sometimes, is they'll get so, they'll, they'll begin to walk in the prophetic, but they're not in the word. And so they'll allow prophetic experiences to define doctrine. That's not supposed to define doctrine. The word is supposed to define doctrine. The word is profitable for doctrine, okay? Now, as, as you walk this out, I just want to encourage you, spend more time. Number one, like I said, just getting, getting in that place where you're setting your mind on things above. Get, take your position in your watchtower. Take your position at the top of that tower. You, you can't be dealing with daily things and be at the watchtower at the same time. You're going to have to cl climb up, stop, you know, just tell those voices to shut up. Put those voices on hold for, for an hour or two. Whatever you need to do, get into worship. Get into the presence of God. Set your mind on things above only. Only ask yourself, what are the people in heaven right now thinking on? Just begin to put yourself right at the throne of God, worshiping Him, allowing eternal thought to just deluge every part of you. And then from that place, begin to look and say, Okay, Father, what is it that the Holy Spirit wants to show me? He wants to show me things to come, so I'm going to allow Him to do that right now. Begin to speak in tongues. As He begins to show you things, and just, just begin to call it. Okay, I see, I see, here's what I see. I see a purple... Uh, house. This is what I see. Whatever. And so you begin to say what you see, but then say, okay, Father, what do you mean by that? Is that me or is that you? And just begin to, to, to talk things out, pray things out, ask questions, 
And then as you begin to ask questions, you'll get more revelation, you'll get more understanding. And then they say, okay, Father, what do you want me to do with that? Do, you, do I need to pray that out now? Do I need to talk to somebody? Do I need to speak something out of my mouth? What need, do I need to take action physically based on that? What do I need to do with that? And then just, if you don't hear anything, don't do anything. You know, just be patient with it. Allow patience to have her perfect work. So you can walk things out in strength. You can walk things out just focusing on the things of the Lord like that. So anyway, praise God. Let's just wrap it up right there. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity we have, Father God, just to walk things out prophetically, Lord God, that prophetic prayer life, Lord God. I thank you that the Holy Ghost shows us things to come. And then I just thank you that we can be stewards of the grace of God, stewards of the mysteries of God. Father God, and every time we pray, we get to steward the mysteries of heaven into earth. And I thank you, Lord God. Teach us how to do it. Guide us into truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.